the quote-unquote textile industry, which really the proper term would be the sweatshop industry, is one of the biggest employers in the country, if not the biggest. Is that it costs these workers 200 of 200 local currencies to get to and from work. So if you're only making $500 and it's costing you 200, clearly the cost of living is going up exponentially and people's salaries aren't. And it's, I don't fault us for that. I fault the way that we were raised. And what's interesting is that we, we working class people. We have so much more in common to these places that they demonized than to the other places that we aspire to go to. Welcome to another episode of Checkmate, a political podcast from Tenement Yard Media. You can follow us on Twitter at tenementyard underscore, and you can visit our website at www.tenementyardmedia.com. I'm the host for the episode. My name is Paige. And in this episode, I'll be speaking with Tamlin on the protests for livable wages in Haiti. Tamlin is a Haitian citizen and she has a bachelor's degree in international studies with a concentration in international relations. Welcome, Tamlin. Hello, Paige, and welcome. And thank you for having me here. No worries. Um, can you give a brief overview to the listeners of the protests that are happening? Well, there have been protests going on uh, in Haiti throughout the territory, but mostly from the textile industry mm-hmm. to have a considerable raise in the minimum wage. Yeah. Basically, to raise it to a livable wage. Mm-hmm. So the minimum wage was... Five hundred a day, okay. Which is four dollars and fifty six cents U.S. dollars, okay, per day, not per hour. And they wanted it to be raised to fifteen hundred weeks. And basically, the private sector said no, and the government also said no. But they have raised it to thirty seven percent. And that's about it. That's all the concession that they made. Okay, okay. And just for the listeners, just to repeat, initially it was 500 HG, which was about $5 US. And they're asking for it to be raised to 1,500 HG, which would be the equivalent of around 15 US dollars. And this is for nine hours of work. Yes, or more. Because or in more. Haiti, we don't we don't necessarily pay overtime. Oh, so so because it's it's a flat fee per month. Oh, a wow. flat fee per month, and that's not including the tax deductions. So wow. That, so that, if you I work guess, overtime, you're not compensated for this overtime. No, most jobs don't compensate for overtime. Wow. Um, well, now that we, um, I I just wanted to get into a bit more for the overview in my own research, I saw that there were protests happening as far as Brooklyn, New York, um, outside of Target, Old Navy and the Gap. Um, 
do you do, can you speak a bit more about the the garment workers and what 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 companies that they're they're working for okay so the quote-unquote textile industry which really the proper term would be the sweatshop industry mm-hmm. is one of the biggest employers in the country if not the biggest 40,000 to 45,000 employees in the territory um they basically sew garments. And we have clients from all over the world. Some of our biggest clients happen to be South Korea as well, which mm. I, I thought that was a bit odd. But um, it did signal to me that if we have a country that's so far away as our big client, then perhaps it may mean that um, the pay here is low. So it's very profitable for them. Mm-hmm. Um, the garment industry here has always been big, has always been present. At the time, we used to have luxury brands come in Haiti and so, but now it's more so any ready-to-wear brand. Mm-hmm. And it's not surprising that there have been protests in these shops because these clothes are sold in Haiti or part of it are sold in Haiti. So it shouldn't be that surprising. Okay. However, I, I I don't think that it might be much. Because when we think when the world thinks of sweatshop, they don't automatically think of Haiti. Yeah. You know, I think most people would be surprised that um, Haiti has that kind of industry to begin with. So yeah, and I and I really want our listeners to get you know, a comprehensive understanding of, of what is happening. And one of the, the stats that I found in my own research is that it costs these workers 200 of 200 local currencies to get to mm-hmm. and from work. So yes. if you're only making $500 and it's costing you 200, clearly the cost of living is going up exponentially yeah. and people's salaries aren't. Can you yes. can you speak to the crackdown of protesters by the state and um, you know possible gangs or other entities that are trying to crack down on them? So, from my understanding, the biggest form of crackdown or the biggest tool that was used for a crackdown was the police. And in that case, we can talk about police brutality in Haiti. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a bit ironic or hypocritical that um, policemen, police officers, are being used to stifle protest when they themselves have a lot to protest against or protest for. The police have attacked protesters. They have killed one journalist and injured two to three other journalists. that, That number is not too clear, but officially it's supposed to be two. Mm-hmm. And they have been throwing gas and firing round live bullets to protesters, wow. right? Which explained the killing and the injuries. But the police officers themselves, they have pretty bad salaries. They are paid close to nothing in the country. And they are asked to, to protect lives in a gang-infested country. It's so bad that the police, or a big chunk of the police, are part of gangs. So it's a very messy situation. 
Yeah. And let's let's just look at the police for what it is around the world, not just Haiti. It is a tool for the state or even, dare I say, the elite to use to protect their interests. Yeah. Police officers are well aware of that. But I think where many of them might be torn, and I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt here, is that they see fellow citizens that are in a situation just like them, that are struggling to live. Yeah. They can empathize with that, but they're not going to let go of their jobs. Because the other thing about the police in Haiti is that you can pay them on the side if you're a factory owner to do things such as protecting your property. Mm. So, so they're I think benefiting from corruption. Yes, they are. And it's it's very individualistic. But see, when you are in a bad economy like this one, I don't think you think about others in these times. So I, I do want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But again, it's the police. I don't have high expectations I don't believe that the police is here to serve, um, as they always say in the in the movie, protect and serve. I, I don't believe that it was. It's not the case in the U.S. It's definitely not the case in Haiti, and I don't think it is the case in most countries of the world that are in these economic predicaments. I agree. They, you know, they essentially exist to protect property and and yes. goods and capital, yes. and not necessarily individuals. Yep. So, my next question for you um, is surrounding Article 137 of Haiti's Labor Code that yes. mandates periodic wage increases tied to the cost of living, including an automatic raise in the event of inflation of 10% or higher for an extended period. Can you expound on the reasons given by governments, businesses as to why wages haven't increased in the last three years despite? The increase in inflation so so the government's response or their logic should, should i say because there hasn't been really an official response from uh, the ministry in charge of labor is that uh, they can't increase it because they can't afford to so that's their official or their official logic mm -hmm. should i say now, if we analyze it aside from what the government is saying, is that it's, it's, it's a vicious cycle because you have le prix du panier alimentaire or the price of the food basket mm -hmm. monthly that has risen um, to, for rural cities, it's 15,252 goods. Yes. And then for cities, it's 15,612 goods oh my god for the cities and that was back in november 2021 so they haven't made calculations for now or for last month february 2022 the inflation rate is 24.7 percent though we might as well round it up to 25 percent mm -hmm. with the recent events around the world actually i should add that some economists speculate that it might wow. be higher so we are stuck, or the government, should I say, is stuck in this position where they can't increase it because if they try to increase it, then they're going to create more inflation. They're going to 
quote unquote scare away the industrial class that already threatened to leave if they increase it more than they have to leave the country. That's their favorite threat. And then they don't have, they cannot, uh, how could I say this? They cannot guarantee a good social safety net, which adds to the inflation too. So basically the logic should be if they don't increase the minimum wage, then you increase the benefits of a social safety net. We have a taxation problem in this country where the government is not collecting tax as it should. And you have an economic class that is not paying taxes as they should. Like in most capitalist economies in the world. So they're stuck. Because even if they wanted to, and I'd like to think that there are many senators that are in favor of increasing the minimum wage to the price that the people are asking, they know that they can't because economically it would be a disaster. You can't increase a minimum wage without guaranteeing more production, without guaranteeing a good social safety net. Does that, yeah, it that does. And what I also want you to tie into that is just what the government has been trying mm -hmm. to do to meet the demands of these workers. Nothing. Nothing. They have added a 37% increase. So it was 500 boots to 685 boots. By the way, I would like to state that the reports and routers in CNN are false, saying that the increase was 54% which would have been 770 boots. Mm. That's not true. It was a 37% increase. 37, okay. not 54. Okay? And even if it was 54, my goodness, I live in Haiti. 770 goods is not going to do anything for you. You can spend mm. that in a minute in the most benign things ever. So the fact that they're, they are misreporting this to begin with, and they're making it seem like it's something very positive is outrageous. How, how are you going to think that a 54% and it's not true, assuming that they did the 54%, that would be enough in a country with uh, an inflation rate of 24.7%. My goodness, the government has done nothing. So there's that. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to do anything. And that's very unfortunate. It is. You spoke. You spoke very briefly about CNN and and Reuters. Can you speak about the level of media coverage that the protest has gotten? And I'll and I'll just give a tidbit to the to our listeners. In in doing mm -hmm. my own mm -hmm. research and trying to prep for this, my team and I had a lot of trouble finding any any information about this. Um, I there were a few. YouTube videos that I found that they were just of the protests themselves and any of the information I could find mm -hmm. was essentially coming from the angle of people are protesting because life is bad but isn't it already bad right we're talking about Haiti like it's that kind of bias yes. um, kind of media that I've been yes, exposed yes. to so can you talk about it from your um, from your end and your perspective, what the media coverage has been like. Okay. The media coverage has been excellent here. And I'm, I will explain why probably on your side it hasn't been good. It's the language barrier. 
if you are looking for news in countries like Haiti or in let's say a non-anglophonic country knowing more than languages knowing more than one language which is English definitely helps because if you go right now on the internet and you type the same research that you've done in French you will find Haitian coverage of a of mm -hmm. this protest if you type it in Creole you will find okay. more coverage over here the coverage have been excellent especially in in radio and TV and our written news as well have covered it extensively have given much details about why it's possible why it's not possible the pro-capitalist view of this the anti-capitalist view of this I, I can't lie and say that the coverage wasn't extensive it has been it's a I think the issue is a problem of language barrier that's why because if you look at francophonic sources at creolophonic mm -hmm. sources sorry you will find it you will find the information yeah no yeah and I, I find that that was an issue for me as well as I, English is the only language that I speak um, so a lot of the things that I was finding okay. that looked like, you know, kind of local media was mm -hmm. either in French or and or Creole. Um, so, you know, that was a bit of, of struggle mm -hmm. for me as well. Yeah, so that's why. But I mean, I don't expect the coverage to be 100% in favor of workers outside of Haiti. I'll, I'll say this. Because what's the what's the global perspective when it comes to business? You're always pro the business owner, so most coverage would definitely be in favor of the owners of the industrial parts. No, 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 yeah. absolutely correct. Can you expound on the international community's response to the to the protests and are? Are the people for more international intervention? Like, what, what, what is the feeling on the ground? I will be honest and say I don't know what the international community thinks. Um, quite frankly with you, I have stopped caring about such matters because oftentimes when the international community, and by that, I don't mean like citizens in other countries. I mean the core group like US, Canada, and France, and all these, mm -hmm. all these governments. Like, I don't really care. Because generally, their positions in 99% of affairs have been pro-them, so mm -hmm. pro-their interest. So I'll just, I'll just say, would I give these countries the benefit of the, of the doubt and then say that they would be for workers' rights? Absolutely not. But that's just my assumption. Now, if research indicates otherwise, even then I wouldn't care because their opinions of my country is means nothing to me. Absolutely nothing. Okay? Because it's a fact that their foreign policies towards Haiti is very yeah. post-colonial. It's like, oh, well... We have this view of this country. They have a good, robust, young population, so they should work. I'm, I'm not going to care about that, quite frankly. I'm not interested in what they say. What was the last part of your question? Um, it was just about the are the people of Haiti for more international oh. intervention. 
no because here in haiti there is a collective understanding that it's because of the international community that there is a problem of increasing minimum wage it's because of them if you're an american corporation or a south korean corporation whoever you may be you come to this country you figured that you could pay these people three four dollars per yeah. day per day without overtime and they make all these clothes and lord knows how haitians work hard whether you must treat them or not they work hard and now you would want an increase that would put a dent on your million dollar billion dollar profits <laughs> no sane capitalist would want this stuff so haitians understand that it's 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 interesting and i think it's it's it brings me joy to see that haitians understand that without having to go to big schools or understanding capitalism as an economic concept or anything yes. like that they understand it because they live yes. it and they talk about it and they think about it i love that so no they do not want international intervention in that sense and they're right i i completely agree i think a lot of times people think that because folks are not educated in the west and in large you know large institutions yes. sponsored like, by yeah, the West that you can formal yeah university yeah exactly. that you can take yes. advantage of them but a lot of this stuff is is you know it might be theory for people in universities but it's mm -hmm. reality for the working class people who are living yes. it so of course they understand it they may not yes. understand it and be able to explain it in the ways that you and I know how to because we were formally educated yes but they know these concepts and it yes. matters to their lives yes Yes, it does. You're absolutely right. So to, to, to shift gears a bit, Prime Minister Henry's term ended on February 7th, but he continues to stay in office, creating you know another legitimacy crisis in the country and compounding its economic troubles. Can you expound on the possibility of one, an, an election, and two, the effect of this protest on, on a possible election? Okay. You know, if you had asked me this question two weeks ago, maybe my answer would have been a bit different. But seeing how the world is going, honestly, the times are very unpredictable. Yeah. Because in the international scene, it's safe to say that everyone around the world knows that things are pretty messy. Um, mm -hmm. Generally, our elections... <laughs> I'm sorry. Generally, our elections have to be approved by the U.S. and or the core group. So seeing that lately they've been having a lot in their, in their plate, I don't think that even if Oyel himself proposed elections, they would be okay with it because it's too many things to watch over and see. Mm -hmm. They can only control so much of foreign policy at the same time. Now, that aside... Even if it was stable, I don't think Ariel Henry himself would want elections because it's interesting. Prior to him coming into power, when I looked at his background, I don't know why I was hopeful. I, I'm not really sure why. I guess my thought was, 
acts. Okay, so he is a neurosurgeon. So maybe there's hope because I don't know why I made the connection between his background and Angela Merkel's background because she too ah. had a background in in science and she became this wonderful uh German chancellor but you see the the difference is that at least Angela in some part cared about her country this man doesn't seem to care about anyone it it's been so bizarre i i started mm. seeing him acting weird when i noticed that he was fighting to get into power right after the death of the journal he was fighting i'm like but why are you fighting yeah you were elected it would it matter who is prime minister and then now i see him he seems very comfortable being the prime minister of the country not having to answer to anyone mm -hmm. or anybody so i don't think he wants elections i don't think he wants to lead and i don't think the international community would want him to lead either because he's very pro international community he has their yeah. backing he has their support when february when february 7th was coming along they were supporting him and he he said well i have the backing of of these countries so no i won't leave he doesn't want to leave so there's that now did the this recent protest doesn't have an effect on election i don't think haitians care about elections nowadays because they have other pressing matters the inflation is going to worsen because of the war on Ukraine. And a lot of people might be asking, ah. well, how? Well, we buy gas and oil from the US, which buys gas and oil from Russia already at gas stations there are lines of people that are waiting for a crumb of gas for the country to switch. Things are going to get much harder. So Haitians themselves I don't think they care about an election right now and there's so much social distrust and political distrust even if you make the most well organized election that there is in the history of this country you're going to have a low voter turnout. Yeah. Cuz people mm -hmm. are busy trying to lead, trying to live and trying to survive. So this pro this protest has no effect on any future election and i don't even think there are future elections to begin with oh yeah you're right and i'm glad that you brought up ukraine in this as well because i think a lot of people think that various countries exist in a vacuum and they don't like what happens <laughs> on the global stage very much trickles down yeah. to smaller countries like Haiti like Jamaica all of the caribbean yeah. really um and and it has real life effects on people's you know people's lives yeah it does can you speak um to the future of the haitian workers so these these people protesting what mm. what do you see happening for them long term so i don't want to go i mean it's already too late but i might sound like a doomer if anyone knows what that means a doomer is someone who is politically pessimistic and i don't know if it's just me living in the country and be like well who am i kidding because i can't kid myself 
and I definitely kid others. I can't, I can't lie to them. So here you go. Here's the full Doomer analysis of a future for Haitian workers. Historically, Haitian mm. workers' plight have almost never worked. Um, I had the interesting experience of working in a in a Haitian advocacy group. I've met with one of the 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 organizers of one of the most popular worker Haitian worker groups in in the country. His name is Dominique Saint Eloi, and oftentimes I had to ask him, "Where do you find all that energy?" Because he's been doing this for years, for decades. Mm -hmm. He has this energy. I wish I had this energy to wake up in the morning because I believe this thing. Because he he believes, but he knows. And a lot of other social so, social economists know too mm -hmm. that it is a a bit of a futile fight because when you don't have the power to lobby to the government, when you don't own capital, and when the general population is very hesitant or too busy to create a movement that might scare the capital owning class, your movement is not going to take hold. Because yeah. we live in a country that is ruled by an oligopoly and an oligarchy. That at, at this point, these terms are almost interchangeable because the same people or the same families that control industries are the same people or the same families that control the banks. And these, yes. these two classes also control the government because we have a spineless, I want to say this clearly, spineless government that has no real vision for the country. None. We do not yeah. have an internal policy. We definitely that do not have a foreign policy. Okay, we have a government of people that are there to collect money, to build houses, send their kids overseas, and then that's it. So when you have all of this, what hope can you envision for the Haitian workers? What, what is interesting, though, and what sooner or later these, these people will realize, the people that are causing harm, what they will realize is that it will bite them back. Because I think people see the economy as a, as a vertical line, right, which is the richest in the poorest. When no matter what you do, yeah. the economy is a circle. When the majority of the population doesn't have a stable purchasing power, how are you going to continue to becoming rich? How are you going to continue to yeah. grow your income when your income is dependent on purchasing power? And I think that's what most rich people in general don't understand. Your money is a collection of other people's spending. If people can't spend, then how are you making your money? You know, so I think it might happen sooner or later, but the effect, they will feel the effect, maybe not as, as, as um, pressing, but they will feel it sometime. Okay. Now, assuming that they never feel the difference, because these people might be, I don't want to say smart, but they might be cunning enough to have other sources of, of wealth and income. I think it is time for Haitian workers to turn to alternatives, to alternatives of work organizations, like 
It's time for Haitian workers to do worker co cooperatives, mm -hmm. right? Which is very different from just working for people and then getting a monthly salary. It's more so, well, it's a worker cooperative. Everyone in the company has a share, everyone, every employee, even if it's a janitor, even if it's the person guarding the front gate. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They all have a stake and then they all share the profit equitably. I think it might work in Haiti. Um, and some people have tried to do smaller versions of that. The, the sector that does that the most is the agricultural sector. But I think mm -hmm. they should do mm -hmm. that everywhere. And then just leave these companies. Leave the industrial parts leave the the garment industry and then watch them crumble because they depend on you it's time that workers in haiti do something just like the great resignation in the states just get up one day and all forty-five thousand of them quit and then see how they're see how that works for them because these company owners get arrogant thinking that they are the only source of life bread to people in this country. And unfortunately, we get stuck into that. I hope one day people wake up and they collectively say, I'm not coming to work today. Matter of fact, I'm not coming to work at all. And see how that works, you know? But I don't know how, how likely that is. And then if we shift to alternatives, then the other thing that we need to do People need to stop demonizing politics and stop lobbying for laws because it's effective. You have to lobby for laws. You have to put people in places of power while reminding them that power should not corrupt them. Because if we don't do that, we're not going to do anything. You know, we're not really going to advance. And then perhaps the last thing that we could do if we finally get a stable and serious government is to stop spon sponsoring imports and start investing or subsidizing local production. Because I can yeah. say all this nice stuff about workers gathering together and support. Yeah, but if, if we continue to encourage imports, and if we continue to subsidizing outsourcing and offshoring and we don't we don't invest in a local for example a local garment industry where Haitians produce garments they produce the cotton they produce the fabric whatever it may be if it's cotton or hemp or whatever and then they export it if we don't do that then we're we're lying to ourselves because we need to generate our own collective wealth so i don't know it's a lot and I don't know if someone might communicate that to Haitian workers or if they're already thinking of that. But hopefully they're already in that direction. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it is a lot. And I was sitting here listening to you thinking of, um, just thinking of Jamaica. And mm -hmm. all of this sounds so familiar. Familiar? You know, people working people working for less than what they deserve, um, yes. people not making enough money, the cost of goods going up, up. The, cost of, the cost of labor not matching that, a lot of the elite's interests being yep. protected. And I think for a lot of 
there's a lot of stigma surrounding Haiti in in Jamaica, if I can speak very honestly, and a lot of people oh, think, yes. oh, wow, that's really bad. But I, I really urge the, the listeners who are from Jamaica or maybe Barbados, Trinidad, whatever other Caribbean country, I really urge you to look into your own country. Look at who owns the radio stations and the newspapers and vast swaths of land, and you will be very surprised yeah. to know that you are closer to Haiti than you think. Yeah. Right? If it is that you're looking at this country as, you know, whatever it may be, it's it's closer than you think. Yeah, it's um, I, I guess it's a nasty truth to it's a not truth. Let me say it's a nasty pill to swallow. <laughs> because um we all I think through our educational system, we all instinctively want to have a little bit of superiority in our lives. You know? And it's I don't fault us for that. I fault the way that we were raised. And what's interesting is that we we working class people, we have so much more in common to these places that they demonize than to the other places that we aspire to go to. It's it's. Absolutely. I think when you grow up, when you grow old, let me just say that instead. When you grow old, it hits you and it's 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 a bitter pill. It is. It is. But. Uh, I mean, I I know the listeners of this podcast are are trying to to unlearn and relearn stuff, so I'm not too worried about the listeners of this podcast, though. Yeah. No, yeah, we have amazing listeners. Um, exactly. And just to quickly, you know, just to, to to quickly wrap up, can you give us a quick update on Haiti and the and the pandemic? Okay, so. My goodness, this is this is interesting when it comes to COVID in Haiti. I believe, and Jesus Christ, I am no health expert. Please, 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 please. But I believe that this virus is not as disastrous as the last one that we had that visibly killed a whole bunch of people, like cholera. I'm talking about mm-hmm. cholera, right? Mm-hmm. Because had COVID been as disastrous as cholera, I think the public attitude would have shifted very quickly. Because if you are mm-hmm. in the country, no one cares. No one cares. Yeah, people wear masks. But I think now people wear masks for other reasons, like perhaps to shield them from smell or for dust. Or the only time Haitians will wear masks in a gathering is if the storefront or the conference door says that you have to wear a mask because otherwise mm. no one cares it's like the virus doesn't exist here and i think the virus did not have a damaging effect on the general population right but i say this with lack of clear-cut and conclusive data so i'll give you some numbers and then i'll explain what i mean Officially, we have 30,430 confirmed cases. Of these 30,000 cases, we have 25,729 people who were healed, so who recovered. And then the number of deaths is 827. And that has been from the beginning of the pandemic to now. Yes, but 
wow. take these numbers with a grain of salt because we do we can't afford to do nationwide testing contact tracing and then postpartum testing to see like if the cause of death was COVID-19. So especially the number of deaths, take that with a grain of salt. But even then, even then, it's like the virus had no effect on the general population. Really. Oh, wow. And um, it goes along with vaccination. So much so that our vaccination rate is very low. The official number, and this number is correct, of vaccinated people as of March 11th is 181,458. And can you remind our listeners of the population of Haiti? Okay, I'm sorry. No, I'm giving you the wrong, the wrong number, sorry. I'm giving you the number of suspected cases. The number of vaccinated people in a population of 11 million people, 11 mm. million, the number of vaccinated people is 244,058 doses. So two doses per people. And you had approximately 245,000 doses delivered in the country and administered. So wow. Haitians are not taking the vaccine. Haitians are very laxed when it comes to the virus and there hasn't been a lot of deaths. So the virus does not have an endemic effect in the territory. It doesn't. Because if it did, like cholera did, everywhere that you go, you would have seen a shift in attitude. So the virus is basically non-existent here. Wow. And it's it's awkward. It's, it's very weird. Uh, some people are happy about it. Other people are skeptical. And then others are a bit upset because there have been other places in the Caribbean that have been more impacted unfortunately and then they're like well Haiti's Haiti's poor so why hasn't the virus you know ravaged Haiti but I think that's what people don't get with this particular virus if you look at this virus and you look at the economy side by side it has mostly affected rich countries with a lot of movement with a lot of internal and external movement so to assume yeah. that is a bit what is the word for it? Because I don't want to use eugenicist. I don't know if there's another word for it, but it's discriminatory, you know, to have that mm -hmm. attitude. But yeah, our country has been somewhat spared. And I say that even though officially our, our death toll is 827. That's unfortunate. But compared to cholera, this is, this is a very small number. Wow. Um, yeah, that I can understand how that would be extremely disheartening because you're not sure if the you know if the government is doing all they can to to get all the data that they need to, yeah. to accurately even report the situation. Yes. Well, it's a matter of money mm. too. I think we could have. I personally think the government could have, even with the with the limited number of funding that they have, they could have done. They could have taken measures to test everyone because there are other countries providing very cheap tests, very accurate tests, and yeah. they have not looked at that. They have not looked at that at all. 
but yes. Well, thank you so much for the update, and thank you, um, you know, thank you so much for your 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 candid responses. I really, really appreciate it. I think it gives people a very you know, an in-depth kind of close-up view as to what is happening um, on the ground. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yes, it always is. Um, this has been another episode of the Checkmate Political Podcast by Tenement Yard Media. Don't forget to check us out on social media at tenementyard underscore and on our website at www.tenementyardmedia.com and don't forget to share the podcast with a friend. You've just listened to Checkmate, a political podcast from Tenement Yard Media. We'd love your support to keep the show going. For as little as a dollar monthly on our Patreon at patreon.com slash tenementyardmedia, you can become a tenant and support us as we educate more people about West Indian politics, history, and sociology. That's patreon.com slash tenementyardmedia to pledge your monthly support or tenementyardmedia.com to make a one-time donation of your choice.